Good morning, everyone. It's time for our AM Minnesota program. And I have in studio a young man wearing a gun. So I got to be in my very best behavior. He's also got a taser on. Our Faribault Police Chief John Sherwin is in studio. Before we start AM Minnesota, I'm going to read clue two again. The second clue at our 75th anniversary edition of the Heritage Days Medallion Hunt. Clue two which is on the website. You can print it off and take it on your journey. When settlers came to the prairies of Faribault in pursuit of the American dream, there was no glimmer in their eye of a radio, although many enjoyed cream. Community co-op was started April 1st, 1925. The medallion is south of there. The area where it is located now in 1925, would have been bare. As Kelly from Community Co-op said this morning on the Birthday Club, <laughs> virtually everything south of the Community Co-op would have been bare back in 1925, and she's absolutely accurate. So I'll repeat it. When settlers came to the prairies of Faribault in pursuit of the American dream, there was no glimmer in their eye of a radio, although many enjoyed cream, Community Co-op was started April 1st, 1925. The medallion is south of there. The area where it is located now in 1925 would have been bare. Happy hunting. Remember, if you find it, be wearing your Heritage Days button when you stop by the studios with the medallion in hand. And you receive a prize package value of about $500. And if you don't have that button, you get $25 cash. What wow. do you think of that, huh, Chief? Sounds like a good deal. Sounds like I maybe know what I'm doing over my lunch hour. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are looking Walking for it. south. <laughs> a lot of yeah. people look for it. So you had a special event here June yeah. 1st, right? Yes, we did. We talked about it last month. You know, I was on, uh, I think, about the week before. We yeah. had our safe summer kickoff event at North Alexander Park. It was a resounding success uh, beyond our expectations. Um, we had an estimated 2,000 people in attendance. Uh, the weather cooperated. The food was great. Uh, the department was on display. Uh, we gave away 100 bikes. We had a helicopter come in. Uh, we had the National Guard there with a climbing wall. Um, just really a great turnout. Um, a lot of families. Uh, a lot of folks, great time. Uh, we received a lot of positive feedback, and we're already uh, thinking about how we can make it better for next year. And then I know last time you were on, you said you you were thinking you might want to do something similar in the fall. Are you still thinking about that? Well, not this year, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. It would be, uh, like I said, it was a great success. The amount of community support we had, the, the businesses that were involved in the sponsorships and um, just people that gave and volunteered their time. Um, you know, that's a lot to ask of people. So I guess we'll see. And, you know, we can help facilitate and lead and uh, uh, try and unite the community like we did on uh, June 1st. And, you know, if we, there's uh, a call or request for us to do more, we'll try. I know one of the goals of this, at least I had the hankering to one of the goals of this, was to get people together mm -hmm. of different cultures, right? Absolutely. And yeah. that was usually successful in this. Oh, it was. I mean, it was uh, great to see the turnout. You know, the, the turnout of the folks that were in attendance, 
I think ac- ac- actually reflect the population of Faribault. Um, you know, sometimes you hear, well, this is three different communities, right? And, but it's not. We're one, and uh, I, I think we saw that in the turnout. And uh, credit to um, the officers who work behind the scenes to get the message out. Uh, you know, we advertise this event in three languages. Um, and that goes a long way with, with people. You know, we're all one. Um, but when you can reach people on their level and bring them together and, and have an event like that, uh, it was great. We had no problems. We had no issues. We had, uh, uh, we gave things away. Um, we learned how to do some things probably better for next year. Um, but all in all, I mean, I, I gave it all about it, you know, on a, on a grading scale. I'd say we were about a 92.5%, so somewhere between an A- minus and an A. Um, but, but really, I couldn't have been more pleased with the effort from the officers and those that volunteered. You know, we had community volunteers that just showed up as well. So, Did you have um, your drones out there? We had the drone out there. We had... Uh, so it took pictures? Is that on yeah, your website actually, by chance? Uh, you know, so I'm not sure if we've... We, there, are, there are pictures out there, you know. Um, Harry Brown's one of our sponsors, had a video crew that was present, and they, they put together a really nice video that, that's on uh, some of their social media pages that kind of capture that event. Uh, and and they had, that, that team used a drone as well, so you get a, uh, a picture of the crowd that was present. Uh, I knew we were going to have a good turnout when uh, 30 minutes before the event even started, we had people lined up ready to get the bingo cards and enter the bike drawing. Um, and we filled about every available parking spot in North Alexander Park and Belfield, uh, even over to the uh, ice arena uh, and some of the fairgrounds as well. So it was packed. And uh, um, I know Paul Panoski was on the show and said it, it was awesome to see that mm-hmm. park as packed as it was. It was. Yeah, it really was. And I, you know, I think uh, the community um, heard about it. We're curious. Uh, the, the weather, like I said, though, it was a gorgeous yep. night. Um, last day of school. It's a Thursday night. And I, I really appreciate all the families that came down. And um, I'm really appreciative of the effort, the officers that made behind the scenes to get that thing organized and um, community people that stepped up. You know, no, we, we a, soft, had, uh, a softball game. Yeah. The uh, BA Cardinals qualified for state that same night. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So it was a, I think it was a good night for the city of Faribault in general. Like, and I know before we hit the airwaves, Chief, you told me that you had never had a turkey dog before Jenny O donated those, and you said it was really good. Excellent. You wouldn't even know that it was turkey. It tasted <laughs> uh, just like a hot dog. And, uh, you know, uh, Craig from Crybaby Craig's was there, and he was grilling, and he, uh, uh, when he gave me the hot dog, he had a little special relish that he'd been cooking up, and he threw that on there. So that... That was uh, probably the icing on the cake as well. So, it's pretty good, huh? Oh, yeah. So, you know, when I talk about the community support we had, we so many businesses and, and just people in general, individuals that gave their time and, and money and other things. So um, it was a great time. So it sounds like for sure we're going to have another event next year. Yep. Yep, we are. We are. We're going to um, uh, start planning probably. I, I think we we're going to already schedule a meeting for January next year. Just, uh, you know, as soon as we get a look at what the, I, I really like the event to coincide with the last day of school for public schools. So, um, we'll have to look at the public school calendar for 2024, see what that does and, and start planning. So fantastic. We've got some other things we want to touch on. I know the Hennepin County attorney's office, I think it was earlier this week, 
made an announcement on how they're going to crack down on stolen vehicles. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of those up there. We'll get the Chiefs take on that when AM Minnesota continues. But right now, we need to get that opening market report, a service of your KDHL Agri Boosters, including Matt's Roofing, specializing in any shingling project plus farm buildings and residential roofing. Over a century of combined experience, no payment until completely satisfied. Call Troy at 507-838-2254, 507-838-2254, Northland Buildings, quality post-frame construction. Head to northlandbuildings.com. TNW Towing, your air cushion recovery experts. They bring you our opening market report as well. Cattle futures are lower on Thursday morning. Hogs, corn, and soybeans are higher. I'm John Perkins with a Brownfield Market Update. Take your corn yields to the max with superior genetics and next-level performance. Explore one-of-a-kind hybrids from MX Series Corn by Stein. Learn more at steinseed.com. Soybeans are up this morning. August might be the big month for beans, but the trade is concerned about expanding drought in the Midwest and Plains. While U.S. export sales are up in the week, Brazil continues to control the market. July beans are 29 higher at 1417. August is up 28 and three quarters at 1347 and a quarter. July bean meals a dollar 90 higher at 391.60 and July bean oils up 97 points at 5693. Corn's higher. Nearly 90% of the Midwest is experiencing some form of drought, likely having some impact on early development. Key growing areas of the plains remain extremely dry as well. July corn's up eight and three quarters at six sixteen and a half. September's fifteen and a quarter higher at five sixty and a quarter. And wheat's higher. Demand for U.S. wheat continues to be stifled by relatively high prices, but rain in parts of the plains this weekend is expected to delay harvest and could lower quality even further. July Chicago's up thirteen at six forty three and a quarter. With a bearish week for export sales, July cotton's down 47 at 81.32. December's 47 lower at 79.64. Rice is mostly higher on spread trade and oversold signals. Most active July's up 20 and a half at 17.83. Live and feeder cattle are waiting for widespread direct business. August live's down 50 at 170.47. October 60 lower at 173.52. With this higher move in corn, August feeders are down 315 at 232.75. And hogs are supported by follow-through buying with July lean up 70 cents at 93.47 and August $1.27 higher at 90.95. Crude oil is about a dollar a barrel higher. John Perkins, Brownfield. AM Minnesota on the Mighty 920 KDHL. We continue our AM Minnesota program. Thanks to these folks for also being KDHL Agri Boosters, Community Co-op Oil Association, Faribault, where everyone is welcome to be part of the company and Craig Keller at the Keller Insurance Agency in Near Strand. Craig helps protect all things that are near and dear to you. That second clue in the KDHL medallion hunt again is when settlers came to the prairies of Faribault in pursuit of the American dream, there was no glimmer in their eye of a radio, although many enjoyed cream. Community co-op we started April 1st, 1925. The medallion is south of there. The area where it is located now in 1925 would have been bare. Faribault's police chief, John Sherwin, is in studio today. Heritage Days is this week, chief. Does that mean you have to have added officers on duty? Yeah, we uh, we certainly staff for the events, uh, particularly the parade. Obviously, that's a big draw on Saturday. 
um, requires, you know, some roads to be shut down. And uh, uh, we have a lot going on behind the scenes to make sure that everyone stays safe. Um, so we'll have a number of staff, including myself, will be in Saturday. Um, we'll lead the parade. We'll secure the parade. We'll <laughs> make sure everything runs off with a hitch. So uh, nobody has to worry. They can come on down and um, have a good time with their families. We'll take care of the things behind the scenes. So. Yeah. Last we heard, the parade's probably about an hour long. Yep. Yep. And, you know, I've been watching the forecast a little bit. Uh, hopefully we aren't uh, dodging rain, but uh, we'll see. So. You enjoy being in parades? You know, it's great to see the kids, um, people lined up, a lot of, a lot of smiles, a lot of waves. And, um, you know, we, uh, we like to hand out um, treats as well. So we've got uh, several boxes of Icy Pops that have been purchased and that are already on ice that we'll be uh, handing out to the crowd as well. So awesome. that's always fun to give a kid a Popsicle. So Don't forget your announcer here. Well, we'll, uh, we'll try to... Usually they're gone by the time we get to the... Uh, end to the there. Ivy Hills yeah, there? Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. well, if they're gone, we'll they're see. gone. Maybe we can save you a grape or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care what flavor it is. <laughs> Just kidding. But... After the parade, we invite people to stay in town and head down to Central Park where they have some great music. They'll have Smokescreen there in Central Park. Great group. Eight till midnight. The event actually begins today officially with opening ceremonies. The parade grand marshal, D. Musselman, local teacher, great choice, will be, I'm sure, delivering some remarks at the opening ceremony at 545 this evening. I've been told he's tickled to be the grand marshal. Right, Terrific. really thrilled to be the Grand Marshal yeah. of the Faribault Heritage Days Parade. Family night is tonight. Ninja Anywhere and Inflatables will be in Central Park. You have your explorers. Isn't that what you call that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Our police explorers, uh, students that are interested in law enforcement, they'll be there in uh, uh, light blue shirt, shirts. Um, uh, we'll have our community service officers there. Our officers will be on patrol as well uh, through Central Park. I mean... You know, the food trucks and things are already set up, so it's a little known secret that if you set up a food truck and uh, several food trucks, you'll you'll attract police officers regardless of <laughs> the event. So, uh, yeah. Of course. You guys need to eat, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Need to eat nutritious food. You got to feed the machine, so. And there's a lot of that in Central Park. Yes. Delicious, nutritious food in yeah. Central Park. The uh, Saturday morning, by the way, the farmer's market, the regular, the normal farmer's market is being held 7 until noon. There are garage sales throughout the weekend. And Mr. Panofsky was telling us the other day, I thought the cardboard boat race was just cardboard that you tried to float on the water. It's actually cardboard oh, yeah. boats that people get into. Yeah, it's much more advanced than that. Yeah, it's, uh, there's a human element to that, so... So that sounds like it'll be fun to watch. That's today, 5 o'clock this evening. Yep. There's a lot lot going on. The mayor's reception is this yep. evening at 5. I mean, there's uh, a lot going on. It's a great great time of year here in Faribault. And, um, you know, we hope everyone comes down and enjoys the festivities. We'll, your police department will be there making sure that uh, things go smoothly. So. I know in Rochester, they have Rochester Fest. Correct, yep. Which is uh, multiple days, right? Yeah, it's a similar type celebration, um, you know, over multiple days. Uh, I'll tell you what, the parade here in Faribault is uh, far more uh, 
uh, vigorous than the than the Rochester parade. No so, kidding. And yeah, Rochester is yeah. a city of 125,000 people or better. Yeah, they get a good turnout, um, but uh, you know, just the per capita turnout and support far better here in Fairbanks. So. Wow, that's good to hear. Well, earlier this week, I believe it was earlier this week, I've been doing some baseball and kind of got out of touch of some things. Mm -hmm. I think it was the Hennepin County Attorney's Office helped organize uh, a news conference where they said they were going to crack down. They've got a plan to stop Mm -hmm. auto thefts. Have we had any of that here locally? So we always have uh, a handful of auto thefts per year um, here in Faribault, you know. but we certainly don't have the epidemic or the problem that they have in the Twin Cities. You Here's know, the thing, Chief, that, yeah. that was kind of upsetting to me, mm-hmm. and I'd like to get your take on this. Sure. Most of these, mm-hmm. most of these auto thefts, the vehicles were running. They had their keys Correct. in the car yeah. running. Why do you do that? Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in, uh, we, we tend to see uh, an increase in auto theft during the colder months. Obviously, people are warming their cars, um, but it leaves it vulnerable. Uh, a lot of times auto theft is a crime of opportunity. Someone who may be out on foot walking and sees a car that's idling and gosh, I'm tired of, you know, walking, walking in the cold. I'm going to take this car, um, you know, but so that that's the type of auto theft we may see here in Faribault. You know, we're talking 20 auto thefts a year versus thousands in the Twin Cities. Um, the thing that's disturbing up in Minneapolis and Hennepin County is a lot of the auto thefts are used as a vessel to commit other crimes, such as robberies. Um, and they're being driven by kids and taken by kids that are kids. Uh, we're talking 10 and 11 years 10, old, 11, 12, 15, a carload of kids that are then going on and committing um, violent crimes armed with weapons um, and, you know, carjackings that result in three other robberies or, uh, a drive-by shooting or other things, and fortunately for us, we don't. We have not seen any of that trend, um, and hopefully, it continues that way. But um, you know, often in Minneapolis, I think what they're trying to do is, you know, if you catch a kid in a stolen car, really there's no penalty, um, and it sounds like there's a recognition of that and trying to develop some alternate prosecutions. However, um, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not. Sh- familiar with the plan that was unveiled in right. Hennepin County. I did see the headline, um, but I know that there are some unique issues that impact Minneapolis and uh, the Twins of St. Paul that, that aren't a factor here. Um, certainly we would, uh, you know, uh, any stolen car with a juvenile would result in a detention and arrest, but it may not result in custody, right, where we can actually physically take someone because there just aren't juvenile holding facilities in Minnesota anymore. Um, there aren't? There's nothing in Red Wing? Yeah, but that's more of a, a long-term lockup. Um, there, there, are, there are some facilities in Scott County um, and then other areas of the metro, um, but oftentimes they're full. They don't have beds available. Um, it's a problem for us when we arrest a juvenile for a serious offense, uh, an assault. I mean, it happens. Um, and we have no placement option. Uh, so we try to find alternatives with a relative or someone who will uh, take custody of the child. Um, that doesn't mean they're not charged. They're still charged. There's still a court process, but they may not be um, physically held in custody because the beds are limited 
and we really want to reserve them for violent offenders. So if a juvenile were to shoot someone or kill someone, yes, we want them, they will go to a locked facility, but a stolen car is not considered a violent crime. So oftentimes what happens is these juveniles are arrested in stolen cars. It's a felony, but it's a theft. It's a low level offense um, and they are not taken into custody. And one, there is an argument that juveniles don't need secure lockup for nonviolent crimes. Um, and that's, I think, where we're at in the state right now. We just don't have the facilities. So you would advocate having such a facility? It is, uh, for violent crimes, absolutely. Um, for repeat offenders who are habitual, absolutely. Um, for a 14-year-old who did a dumb thing for a 14-year-old, do they need to spend a week in custody away from... Uh, family support, other things, uh, that, you know, that's that's a that's a different question, right? I remember um, my dad telling me when I was a teen that mm-hmm. you ever get arrested, yeah, and you get thrown in the clink. He said, "I'm not going to come bail you out." So you're going. Well, I knew if when I was 14 or 15, if I w- would have been arrested, uh, I would have much rather been locked up than face the consequences oh, at yeah. home. Same here, um, <laughs> and I think most people feel that way. And as a parent of uh, having had a 14 or 15 year old, um, I feel that I would have been much better to handle a situation where my kid was in trouble than a locked facility would be as well. So I think it goes both ways, right? Uh, there is a, there's a balance to um, the fear factor. The fear factor and then the needs of juvenile. Kids are kids, right? They're gonna do dumb stuff. We accept that in society. Um, it's when that dumb stuff becomes violent, when it becomes a public safety risk, that's when they need locked up. Um, if you're in a stolen car and you're joyriding, maybe not. If you're in a stolen car and your intent is to commit a drive-by shooting, yeah, you should probably be locked up. So uh, I think there's a, a scale there. It's not a one-size-fits-all answer. Um, and that's true for most crime, yep, right? Yep, and that's, you know... Public safety is my business, but I'm not, I don't, we don't run correctional facilities. And for whatever reason in Minnesota, the decision has been made to greatly scale back those options for juvenile offenders. Um, I think research could be argued either way, um, but we respond accordingly. Like, uh, and, and we'll certainly, if there's a safety threat, uh, then we make sure those kids are in custody. Um, if we can release them to a responsible adult, then we do. Is there any topic that you'd like to touch on to inform the public about here while you've got this platform? You know, I, I think there's been a lot of talk lately about the new um, legalization of marijuana, which goes into effect in August, yep. August 1st. Um, there's a lot of questions out there still from uh, law enforcement because essentially you'll be able to possess on August 1st, but you will not be able to legally buy. And you have no uh, test if they're driving. Right. Yes, that's true. Not like a roadside PBT test or anything like that. But uh, uh, we certainly still will be able to... Smell it in the vehicle. Smell it just like you would alcohol. Uh, you know, you have to have reasonable suspicion and probable cause to even start an investigation. Uh, the smell of marijuana is still the smell of what marijuana, just like al- the smell of alcohol, the odor of alcohol on someone. It, it could result in you being asked to exit your vehicle and go through field sobriety tests roadside um so 
that doesn't concern me as much. You know, we're going to be in a real gray area for about a year, though, right? Like I said, possession becomes legal, but the sale of marijuana is not going to be regulated in, for at least a year. So you can possess it, but where are you buying it? And if you're selling it, what, are you, what offense are you committing, right? Uh, so there's a lot of questions for law enforcement and um, lawyers and people that are uh, more nuanced in uh, these things than, than I am are putting together documents and guidance for law enforcement to, to help us in that, those times. Um, I've had talks with our county attorney, Brian Mortensen, uh, recently about, uh, you know, where, where the, uh, if you read the tea leaves of what uh, we're going to do and things are going to change. Like we are, law enforcement has to change practices and adapt and um, we will work our way through it. Um, but in the meantime, there'll be changes in case law. There'll be changes in um, uh, previous uh, things that were common practices that we have to look at differently and in all that, there'll be lawyers involved who will appeal different things. So the next few years will be pretty unsettled as far as uh, marijuana case law in, Mar- in Minnesota. Um, and we're waiting to see where things go. And then there are people that have been charged with a crime mm-hmm. that are going to have that taken off their books. Absolutely. Yep. That's part of the legislation. Um, there, you know, right today, it's still illegal, but... Uh, if we were to stop someone and cite them or arrest them, um, it's quite it's quite likely that within six weeks here uh, that charge will be dismissed. So we have to start adapting uh, to the change in the law, and, and um, we will we'll do so. Um, you know, we we're police officers; we don't write the law, we enforce it. So uh, we will adapt. Yeah, I think you said that. Once in a previous, when we talked about it, when they were talking about it in the legislative session, mm-hmm. I asked you your opinion on it because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, the sure. Police Officers Association was opposed yes. to this law yeah. for the, some of the reasons that you stipulated. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should get our ducks in a row before we pass the law. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. You want to make sure that these things are well thought out and they're not rushed. You know, I mean, my opinion is, I of course have my own personal opinions on what this means for society, but uh, my opinion doesn't matter. I'll leave that up to the politicians and the theologians and the groups that meet for coffee on Tuesday mornings to discuss and decide on, will this be better for society? I mean, my concern is public safety and how it relates to that. Um, And we will uh, do our best to to make sure that this doesn't become a quality of life issue. Um, And we'll we'll, we'll take the action that we need to. Uh, Well, Having dabbled in using marijuana when I was a youth, mm-hmm. driving under the influence of marijuana is every bit as dangerous, in my opinion, mm-hmm. as driving under the influence of alcohol. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And I've, um, I've arrested people that are under the influence of marijuana before who are driving. Um, you know, I know some of the arguments that I see from, uh, you know, legalization that, oh, it's not as bad. It, it's no worse than alcohol. And I always think to myself, well, that's not saying much. Look at the problems alcohol causes in society, right? Yeah, right. Um, I just hope people are responsible. Um, if they're, you know, a lot of advocates have pushed for this. They say that this is what this community needs and they've convinced politicians and so it is legalized, right? 
Um, I hope they live up to that and they don't make it an issue. Like, if you're going to smoke marijuana, smoke it at home. Don't drive. Don't threaten people's lives on the road. I'd say the same thing for alcohol. Because even though marijuana has been legalized, it is still not going to be legal to drive under the influence of marijuana. That's correct. That's correct. That's the number one concern for peace officers, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a public safety thing, right? Um, I have no problem with people that do legal activities that don't harm others. Um, I, hope, I hope that's the same with, and I think that will be the same with the vast majority of marijuana users, but there'll probably be a few that, that give everyone oh, else sure. a bad There's name. There's bad so, apples all yeah. over the place. Let's be totally yeah. honest. Got about a minute left in the program here, Chief. Appreciate your stopping in and... It's awesome to hear that June 1st was a resounding success. I guess it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you had a lot of things coordinated there. Mm -hmm. The bike giveaway alone would draw lots of people. Yeah, you know, I told told some officers that were involved in the planning. It reminded me of a quote by Abraham Lincoln. He said that if he had six hours to cut down a tree, he'd spend four hours sharpening the axe. And that's what our officers did. They planned and planned and planned. And so the event turned out successful. I never so. saw that quote. That's an awesome quote. Yeah, yeah. Stuck with me. Are you an Abe Lincoln fan? I like all history, but, uh, you know, I read that quote and I thought that, that's a testament to planning, right? Sharpen the axe and you, it's easy. I love it. You mind if I use that? Go for it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to try and use that sometime. Thanks to the chief for coming in today. Enjoy your hunting for the KDHR medallion during our 75th birthday, everybody.